Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord, First Church. You know, I appreciate the extremely kind words that Pastor Sheeran shared um, just now. The funny thing is, I've been a part of this wonderful district, the Missouri district, for almost 17 years. And I look at all the, the leaders in my life through youth ministry and now, and uh, pastors and presbyters and leaders across our movement. And I told my wife not too long ago, if there was one person that I would want to mirror myself after as someone who loves, as someone who connects, that would be none other than Pastor and Sister Sheeran. This church is truly blessed with some absolutely incredible leadership. Almost 17 years ago, I met Pastor Sheeran. I, I believe he may not remember. I, I was I was a first-time youth pastor, a Canadian immigrant. Yes, I'm from Canada. Please don't hold it against me. And I was down in the basement cleaning, scrubbing somewhere, and I remember he came up to me, introduced himself to me. He remembered my name, and from that day moving forward, he always said, Hey, Brother Paul, whatever venue there would be, large crowds, he's very busy walking around. Brother Paul, how are you, sir? And made me feel like I was the only one in the room. And that is the individual who I attempt to mimic after when it comes to connecting with people. I love this church. It is such a privilege. I, I give honor today to Pastor and Sister Sheeran as well as Brother and Sister Littles. Love them dearly. And Brother and Sister Johnson, just a, a great leadership, great staff here at this church. And I love and I appreciate them so much. And how about the greatest youth, not only in Section 4, but in the Missouri District? Awaken youth, where are you at? This past winter, I was blessed with um, with um, uh, being able to minister to them at their, their annual winter youth retreat. And uh, it's been a few years. I was a student pastor for 13 years, and then they fired me and made me an assistant pastor. It was against my will, but the Lord had other things in store for my family and my ministry. And I wasn't sure if I had what it took to be able to connect to these young people. And they, they blew me away. Their love, their passion for God. And in fact, I won't get too much into detail, but just around that season, my wife and I, our family, was facing perhaps one of the hardest uh, things that we've ever dealt with. And Pastor Sheeran, I never told you this, but I felt healing in our family. We both testified how we came that weekend to minister to the young people of First Church, well, they ended up having the young people of First Church ministered to us, and we were able to go home with a with a newfound love, really for for life and a passion for God and ministry and moving forward. And, and this church has no idea how much of a blessing that you are all to us. Amen. If you could turn with me in your Bibles or your attention to the screens to the, we're going to look at the book of Genesis. We're going to look at chapter 32. We're going to cover verse 22 to verse 28. A very familiar portion of scripture that I believe uh, holds dear to us. Don't you love the word of God? How stories that took place literally thousands and thousands of years ago hit us right where we are. Different culture, different context of life, different technologies, Yet it can speak to us and minister to us in such a profound way. 
We'll start in verse 22. It says, And he rose up that night, meaning Jacob, and took his two wives and his two woman servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford of Jabbok. Everyone say the river. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. For the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let go, Jacob said, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Verse 28 says, and he said, thy name shall be called no more, Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And the title of my message this morning is, The Worst among us. The worst among us. King Jesus, you're a healing God, a righteous God, a holy God. Your presence is so powerful, so potently felt in this place. And right now, oh Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ about every, upon every single person in this place. From all of our children to our elders, oh Lord God. I pray that you'd anoint us from the top of our heads down to the sole of our feet. That you would saturate us with the mighty, delivering, life-changing power of the Holy Ghost. I pray for the next few moments from this sacred desk. Let every word that come out of my mouth be directly from you and only you. King Jesus, we bind and rebuke every evil spirit of distraction. You are a healer. You are deliverer, Lord God. And we claim your healing. And we claim renewal and deliverance in this place. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. And everyone say... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now raise your hand if you've ever received an award. Anyone ever received an award? we got a bunch of award winners here at First Church. Now there are all different kinds of awards. There are certain workplace awards. There are school and Academic awards. There's awards for the best athletes. Both in unprofessional and professional. There's awards for artists. There's awards for even the best entertainers. There's awards for the best Bible quizzers. Can we give all of our Bible quizzers a hand clap? All the hardware and ribbons that they brought up. I'm thankful that not only our young people are awarded with Burying the Word of God in their hearts and their minds and their souls, but also they're awarded for their efforts and uh, many, many hours and hours and hours, days, weeks, months of practice. Amen. Coaches can testify even when they don't want to. And you're sweating. Come on, just a few more verses. We can do this. It's so good to be awarded for effort. There are two awards that I've won in my life, and that was the Missouri District Youth Pastor of the Year, 2011. And the 2016 Missouri District Sectional Director of the Year. Not too bad. It's okay. Hold the applause. It's okay. Those are the only two awards that I've ever won. I believe, I think, I'm, uh, I'm the only one that has won those two awards. But hey, that's all right. I know this though. Nobody wants an award for being the worst. 13 years of youth minister, I could promise you this. There was a few years where I could have been the worst. 
student pastor of the year. No one wants to be the worst Bible quizzer of the year or the worst athlete of the year. I believe we have a slide. Years ago, critics in the film industry created what's known as the Golden Raspberry Awards. It's also known as the Razzie Award. So for the, four, for the past four decades, this parody award show honors the worst of cinematic underachievements. So basically, it is an award ceremony that singles out the worst actors and actresses of the year. So they put these award shows on every year. Now, of course, these entertainers do not attend. In fact, many of them could testify for the record that they consider it to be the worst, to be highly offensive. And so the entertainment industry does not recognize the Razzie Awards, even though it goes four decades and has made a lot of money doing so. Nobody wants a Razzie Award. But many of us hold our own personal Razzie Awards here this morning. Worst dad of the year. Worst husband of the year. Worst son of the year. Worst brother of the year. Worst friend of the year. In fact, 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came unto the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It's from this verse where the Apostle Paul received the nickname Chief of Sinners. In fact, the New International Version translates I am chief to I am the worst. And that's quite a title to claim for yourself. And perhaps he could have won sinner of the year in 3 or 4 AD as he stood by and held the coats for the angry mob who stoned and killed Stephen. When I look back at my own life, I think, yeah, I could have possibly won sinner of the year in, in 2001. Maybe, maybe even... Maybe even 2002. But I wonder, just wonder, I wonder who is the chief of sinners at First Church this morning? I wonder who is the worst among us today? Everybody's kind of looking around. Who could it be? Do we have any people who are jealous? Anyone who's selfish? How about self centered? Self serving? Envious, hard to please, always offended, greedy. There's plenty of those in St. Louis. I'm sure none of them here. Anyone out there? Any drug addicts? How about alcoholics? Adulterers? Gossipers? Porn addicts? Thieves? Racists? The truth is that every single one of us can sit here and ponder our own brokenness and sin of our past and even our present. The truth is that humanity has fell and faced the consequences of sin since the very dawn of time. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden because of sin and they were sent into exile. Israel was given the gift of the promised land, but because of sin, they didn't keep their covenant with God and they were sent into where? Exile. So exile became a human condition in the Old Testament where God's people would repeat the same pattern of corruption, which would send them into captivity on more than one 
occasion. And this was a trickle-down effect that can be traced all the way back to the patriarchs of the Hebrew Bible. Each generation of Abraham's family was marked by repeated failure. Anyone here who tries and tries and tries but fails, fails and fails. And many times we see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob keep making the same really bad decisions that mess up their lives and put God's promises and even covenant in jeopardy. Yet God remains faithful to them, thank you, thankfully, and keeps rescuing them from themselves and reaffirming His commitment to bless them despite all of their failings. So the family tree of the Hebrew patriarchs goes like this. Abraham lies. Isaac lies. Jacob lies, the worst among them. And boy, oh boy, was he the worst. Jacob was known as being quite ruthless. His reliance on his own scheming, deceptive, self-reliant practices became a common theme in his life. Jacob was the second-born twin to his brother Esau. His parents named him Jacob, which means taking hold of the heel, or better yet, he deceives. In Hebrew, because Jacob had grabbed Esau's heel at birth. And he lived up to his name later when he grabbed Esau's blessing and birthright with deceptive practices. And so he cheats his brother Esau out of his birthright, then later deceives his old blind father on his deathbed into giving him his brother's blessing. What a great guy. And because of his brother who vows to kill him, he runs and lives for his terrible uncle Laman for about two decades. Then he goes on to take about four wives and three of them he didn't even like. And because of this, he creates a bunch of hatred and rivalries with his family. This causes wives to fight each other, children to fight one another. It was an absolute mess. So poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. And then, of course, all of Jacob's struggles and fears were about to be realized. Sick of his uncle's treatment, Jacob fled Laman only to encounter his embittered brother Esau. Anxious for his very life, Jacob concocted a bribe and sent a caravan of gifts which were supposed to be a tithe and offering to God. Along with his women and children across the river of Jabbok in hopes of calming his brother. Now physically exhausted, alone in the desert, alone in the wilderness, facing sure death, he was stripped of all of his worldly possessions and was powerless to control his fate. And with his uncle behind him and Esau before him, he was too tired to struggle any longer. So he collapses into a deep sleep on the banks of the river. And that's when the wrestling match in our text takes place. That night an angelic stranger visited Jacob. Some have interpreted this as Jacob wrestling with the angel of God. Others say that Jacob wrestled with God himself. I'm not quite sure. I'm sure Brother Littles can tell you who it was. <laughs> However, the Bible states that they wrestled throughout the night until daybreak. At which point the angelic stranger crippled Jacob with a blow to his hip that immediately disabled him. 
And we read that Jacob in all of his pain and agony refused to give up or let go until he received his blessing. And the Bible said God blessed him there. In fact, there's a beautiful quote by author Frederick Buchner who said this whole setting was deemed the magnificent defeat of the human soul at the hands of God. The human soul that is all about flesh. That's all about me. That's all about my needs. It's all about my wants. My world got torn apart and God walks right in. Now Jacob was humbled by a beautiful blessing that resulted with permanent change that night. And it was there Jacob the deceiver received a new name. Israel. Now, there's a theory in psychology circles known as think, feel, behave. Meaning that a person's thoughts influence how they feel, which impacts their behavior. So if we change our thinking, we then manage how we feel and we behave differently. Simple, right? Easier said than done, of course. But not only do our thoughts change, but our behavior changes as well. So if Jacob no longer thinks he's a liar, then he no longer feels like a cheater. So he no longer behaves like a deceiver. So Jacob's entire mindset was broken in his encounter with God. And after Jacob's confession to God in verse 27, the Lord did something rather unexpected. Kind of didn't make any sense. He changed Jacob's name to Israel, meaning he who struggles or better yet, he who strives with God. Not he who fights against God, but he who fights for God. And by changing Jacob's name, he changes his entire identity. So God not only wants to forgive and heal us, but He wants to change the very core of our being. Our name changes and we become what God has always intended us to be. It's not the will of God for you to suffer with depression. It's not the word of God for you to suffer with anxiety. It's not the will of God for your marriage to be destroyed. It's not the will of God for your family to be full of, of prodigals. It's not the will of God to walk in strife, to walk in hurt, to walk in pain. You know what the will of God is? The will of God is for us to have revival. The word of God, the will of God is for us to be reborn. The will of God is to walk in spirit and truth. Now hold on. You're saying that if I give my life to God, if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, if I'm baptized in Jesus' name, I don't have any more problems and I don't have any more issues. I wish I could tell you that. But it doesn't work that way. But there's an old saying that I live by. God never promised life would be easy, but He sure did promise He would be there every single step of the way. That's when you're in the middle and everything's burning around you and you're saying, God is so good. God is so righteous. God is so holy. Even when nothing makes sense and your family is destroyed, for me and my house, I serve the Lord. And I have a promise. And I have a strength. And I have revival in my life. So it's in Jacob's story we can easily recognize our own elements of struggle 
fears, darkness, loneliness, vulnerability, empty feelings of powerlessness, exhaustion, and relentless pain. But one visit at the Jabbok River can change everything. It's at that river where you confess your real character. Has anybody truly been changed? I was a drug addict. I was a drug dealer. Drug addicts and drug dealers, they can't be the same because you just use all of your profit. You don't make any money. It's a terrible joke, but that's the truth. I was both. I was an alcoholic. I was a bus kid. I was an unchurched teen. I was homeless. I was full of hatred. I was full of bitterness. I was full of violence. In fact, if you were able to analyze my story and analyze who I am and look at the family that I have now and look at the ministry, the fact that I do not deserve to be in front of you people. If you guys read my autobiography, you go to Pastor Sharon, we need somebody else. That is how good God is. Now I went to the Jabbok River. There was a few times I had to visit there because sometimes those encounters with God are more than one occasion. I was 15 and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Addicted to drugs and violence. A few years later I was baptized in Jesus' name. Delivered of depression and anxiety. And then I was 20 years old as a Bible college student called to ministry. Full of hatred and bitterness. Wanting so badly to be delivered from nicotine. It was at that moment where God changed my life forever. You know, just like the prodigal son. Sometimes we have to acknowledge the pig pen. Before we can ever recognize the deep ache of needing to be going home and being with God. What happened to Jacob was he had to be humbled. That's what changed. You know, I think the transformation that took place at that wrestling match is he was so desperate. Jacob had nothing Nothing to lose. He had nothing to win. He had no hope and he had to give everything. And because of that, a part of himself had to die. See, there's one thing about coming. We, we do these altar appeals and we ask people to come to the front. And we ask us to change. But there's a sobering encounter that comes with God. Change hurts. You know what I had to do to give up? Drugs and alcohol, I had to get rid of everybody around me. I had to get rid of my best friends. I had to get rid of family members. Do you know how much that hurts? To be alone on a Friday night? You know how much that hurts? To no longer have anybody to talk to? But I noticed something. You want to know what happened to me? Is God gave me a church in my life. And God gave me a youth group and a young adult ministry. And in those encounters, I could go back and say, I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm limping from my sins of the past. I'm 
slipping from the hurt and pain that I'm encountering with God. But I'm a new man because I don't struggle with that anymore. It's about being real with God. Now we got some first time visitors. We have some long time individuals that are here. And we'll do an altar appeal where we'll ask everybody to come to the front. So we come up here to the front with all of our hurts and our pains. And we lift up our hands. And then we call upon the Lord and God fills us with the Holy Ghost speaking in new tongues. How it's written in Acts 2.38. He calls us to be baptized in Jesus' name. Brother Sharon, you're a big time fisherman. I look back when I was a teenager baptized. I was baptized in a cold... It was the Ottawa River. It was disgusting. The river was brown. I wore a, a, a white dress shirt and khakis and I came out of that water. My clothes were green. I look over and there was literally a dead fish floating beside me. That's but I look back on that moment when I came out of that water and everything I've ever done in my entire life stayed buried in that water and I began to be a brand new creature. I look back at that almost tw over 20 years later and I still received strength of when God healed me and delivered me and brought me out. Were there still problems? Yes. Did I still fall? Yes. But I had a name that I could wear here, that I could wear on my life, that I could look back on. And it was powerful. But in order for us to have real change, in order for us to have real deliverance, in order for us to have real healing, to have real hope, we need a moment of clarity. We need a moment of honesty. In order for Jacob to receive his blessing. In order for Jacob to get everything back. He had to admit something. Because everything changes in verse 27. In fact, let's go. Let's go over a little bit to Hosea 12. 4 says that Jacob wept and prayed for his favor. He had to work for it. And it was not tears of joy. It was tears of hurt. Agony. Suffering. The past. All the things that he did. It bewitched him. It haunted him every single day of his life. And he had to pray fervently. But the biggest thing that happened is when he decided to get real with God. That's when... What is your name? You know what he said my name is? My name is Jacob. No, what did that mean? I am a deceiver. I am an imposter. I am a cheater. I am a conniver. I am a hypocrite. I am a blasphemer. I am the worst. And at that moment, everything changed. Everything moved forward. Everything turned around for him. Some of us need to get real with ourselves. Folks, we do not have time to play patty cake church any longer. There have been prophecies on more than one occasion concerning this church and this city. And we preach for generations the coming of the Lord. And that the end of year is near. Well, folks, the spirit of the Antichrist is here. You think go 
coming from a global pandemic entering into the first major war to hit Europe in 80 years is some sort of, oh, it just kind of happens. It's by mistake. COVID orchestrated a lot of things. The great reset that all of our leaders across the world are talking about. Economies are beginning to crash. The problem is it's going down all at the same time. It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be America here. Uh, the euro dollar is supposed to go here. Everything's falling short. Everybody's, well, China's economy is strong. China's economy relies on the world's economy. So already they are having discussions about even getting rid of the dollar bill, getting rid of the U.S. bottle, creating a, a global economy. That, that's conspiracy theory. No. If there was ever a time to have revival, now is the time. It's going to get dark. You think the war's going to stop in Ukraine? It's not. And the thing of it is, we sit here and we want to go on Fox News, we want to go on CNN, we want to go on MSNBC, and there's all this pray for Ukraine, and I think we should do that. I think we should pray for Ukrainians, I think we should pray for Russians. I think we should pray against the war that's been going on. And we should be praying for revival. But there's no good guy and there's no bad guy in this scenario. Something is being orchestrated by the spirit of the Antichrist and the beast. If there was ever a time for us to have revival, for us to have hope, for us to have change, that time is right now. If there was ever a time, my friends, to dedicate that little baby and your family to God, now is the time in this 21st century, in February 2022, because things are scary, things are getting dark, but when it's darkest, the church brights brighter than anything else. And I shared this with the young people Friday night. And I want to share this with First Church. Here's the deal. The concept of revival. We hear, we preach revival. We talk about revival. What does that mean? Well, we look at it as spiritual and numerical growth. Something that was dead was revived and it's living. So oftentimes when we say first church is going to have revival, oftentimes people are thinking spiritual and numerical growth in the confines of the church. And that's what we want. We want to have building programs. We want to have these pews overflowing. It's not to say, oh, First Church is the largest church. No, First Church is filled with the largest hope possible in a city that is hurting. That's all. It's not about numbers. It's about souls being saved. And I know the leadership of this church, and that's what they mean, and that's what they want. But oftentimes when we think of revival, we think of the church building. We think of just the numerical growth. You know what revival is? Revival is marriages being restored. Revival is drug addiction being washed away. Revival is suicidal ideation no longer be there. Revival is dads, men in this church stepping up and saying for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I'm going to lead in prayer. I'm going to lead in devotion. I'm going to lead in church attendance. I'm going to lead in soul winners. And then those young people are marching behind them. And these men are partnering with their wives. And they're marching across the city in their neighborhoods, in their communities, in their workplaces, in their schools. And there is such a desperation for God. That's when we truly have revival. 
So in the year 2022, I'm done with Patty Cake Church. It's time for me to have an encounter with God at that river. It's time for me. It's time for God to put a scar on my flesh and remind me that I need His presence in my life. I need an encounter with God that wounds my flesh, that takes me down and destroys who I am so that I can build myself up. Pornography no more. Adultery no more. Bitterness no more. Hatred no more. And it's about being real. Hypocrisy no more. I am a deceiver, God. Make me Israel. Because it's at the river he can restore a failed marriage. At the river he can wipe away depression. At the river he can provide finances. At the river he can break addiction. At the river he can heal cancer. At the river he can set you free. One God moment at this altar can heal thousands and thousands of counseling sessions. One moment at the river he can give you peace. At the river, he can finally, for a very, very long time, can give you victory. I tell you, a part of that revival, backsliders are coming home. Prodigals are coming home. Pastor Sharon, could you imagine if we just had a revival of prodigals? They wouldn't fit in this building. The heritage that this church has, the families that you guys have that used to attend here years ago, not too long ago. Imagine! Even if we cut off Kenneth and cut just prodigals only, we need a building program. That's a part of the revival. The years that you've been praying for that son or daughter to come home. All that pain and all that suffering can happen at the Jabbok River. If we can all stand, if our musicians can come. And what I love is although God's people have sinned for centuries, filling the scriptures with descriptions of their Just punishment and retribution. God always circled back around despite everything. Still associated himself as the God of Israel. Demonstrating his special relation to the interest in Israel and his people. And I believe God has circled back around First Church in this city this morning. Calling on the worst of us to stand. And receive a blessing. I'm talking about the worst. I'm talking about individuals in this place that have secrets. That if you knew those secrets would reveal. You'd be worried that your family would walk away from you. You'd be worried that these church doors would be locked. And not allow you to come in. I want to encourage somebody in the Holy Ghost. When you come at this Jabbok River. And you lift up your hands. And you declare what you have been hiding. For years you watch healing fall upon you, fall upon your family, fall upon your ministry, fall upon your community. Because each and every one of us, we are revival. That elder in the back is revival. This young family in the front is revival. That little baby is revival. The young married couple is revival. The old married couple is revival. When I look down here, I see all of these individuals. We can't have revival. We can't have revival without this group right here. Each, all those little babies laughing around, having a good time. We need them. Every single one of us. 
No matter who we are, no matter where we're from, no matter what we've done, each and every individual, all of the young people, we need to understand you are, you are revival. Oh, but I don't have the energy. Oh, but I don't have what it takes. Oh, I've done too much. None of that matters. You go to the Jabbok River and you are given a brand new identity. You're given a brand new name. Drug addiction died at this river. Alcoholism dies at this river. Bitterness and suicide dies at this river. And I can testify. The years I put cigarettes on an altar in Bible school and said enough is enough. Do I struggle? Am I tempted? Yes. But I have a new identity. What I used to be is not me anymore. And I know it's uncomfortable what I'm talking about. But revival and pure real change is uncomfortable. <laughs> well, Brother Littles, perhaps, perhaps it's only when we stop wrestling with God and start clinging on to Him. You know what I think Jacob's problem was? He wasn't supposed to wrestle with the angel. He was supposed to hold on. How many of us, we wrestle for years, even right now, I'm not going to change. Or even right now, this truth just isn't for me. Or even right now, I'm not ready yet. When this is done, when that is done, what have you been doing for years? You know times where pastor preached a message for you and you wrestled with God in these pews. For decades, perhaps some of you have wrestled with God. For me, when I stopped fighting, and when I held on, I'm not leaving until I get my blessing. I'm tired of fighting with God. I want to be an agent of Christ. I want to fight for Him. You know what that means? I won't let go until I receive my healing. I won't let go until my marriage is restored. I won't let go until I receive my breakthrough. I won't let go until I'm set free. Oh God, I'm not going to let go of your faithfulness. I won't let go of God. I won't let go no matter how I feel. What is against me? I will not let go. Oh Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I'm speaking to a church right now. That is promised revival. I'm speaking to some families that need to come up to the Javik River. I need some dads and I need some moms to bring some babies right up here to the front of the church and say, My family's not going to let go. I need some elders who've been praying for some prodigals for years that are thinking about giving up, come up to this Javik River. And say, I am not going to let go. And what I love, what I love about the Pentecostal church is when we talk about the altar, we talk about individuals coming to the front and praying with each other about what an altar is. It's sacrifice. And saying, God, I'm sacrificing anything and everything to be more of you. I want to be used of you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And as you begin to lift up your hands. As you begin to call upon the name of the Lord. 
If you have not been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want to encourage you. Say, God, fill me. God, fill me. God, take from me all of the sin, all of the addiction, all of the hurt, all of the pain, and fill me with your Spirit. If you think now is the time, if you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus, and you think now is the time to be baptized, you can get baptized. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. I needed to be buried in that name. Hallelujah. That's it. We need some prayer warriors to come up and to begin to pray with some of these brothers and sisters. In fact, if we could just make this a house of prayer, if you can put your hand on the person next to you, and why don't we begin to pray and intercede for each other right now? Cancer's going to fade away from this house this morning. Drug addiction and alcoholism is going to be wiped away this morning. Depression is going to be gone this morning. There's going to be prayer that is prayed and a prodigal's going to come home this week. A backslider's going to come home this month. And we are going to have revival together. In the name of Jesus, oh right now, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon First Church. I plead the blood of Jesus upon every individual in this house. And I pray right now that your healing power would begin to move upon them. Bless them spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, emotionally. Every area and element of their life, oh Lord. Stamp your nailed scarred hands upon them right now. Shape them. Mold them. Direct them. Guide them. That's it, First Church. You're planting seeds of revival right now in this community. You're planting seeds of revival right now in this neighborhood. You're planting seeds of revival at your workplace, at your home, with your family. Oh, don't stop. The angel of the Lord is in this place. Stop fighting him. Stop wrestling with him. Grab a hold on him and say, I am not leaving without my blessing and my new name. Israel!